did think to make sure that my iPad cover and my jumper matched this morning as I got dressed. Thanks, Glenn. I'm, I'm glad that Warney's catching on. <clears throat> I, uh, yep, yep. I, uh, I was, um, I was confused when Ben got here because uh, Curtis told me that his name was Ben Warren, but that's how they say Warren. And so Mel comes home and she goes, uh, I think the new guy's name is Ben Warren. And I'm like, yeah, that's, his, that's what Curtis told me as well. And so then we found out that it was Warren, but um, there were two Bens and I'd already decided that um, he needed a really Australian name. And so if you come to this country, you, you don't get to choose your own name. And uh, so I decided that because uh, his last name was Warren, that his Aussie name was going to be Wazza. So can you imagine my disappointment when his last name is Warren? Warren is pretty good though. Warren is pretty good. Warren is pretty good. We'll stick with that. Um, I better start a timer too. <clears throat> yeah, you can give some answer to both. Yeah. I like how you're bringing a conversation. He's here. <laughs> hey guys, I can hear you. <laughs> uh, I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. Man. Um, yeah, I just feel like God's really stitching the, the morning together already. Um, yeah, with Leanne's story and um, yeah, I just feel like, uh, um, yeah, sort of have been considering, well, la last week uh, Brad was talking about um, the gift of doing hard things and we were, um, we were talking about, you know, previous victories that we could um, uh, bring to mind to be reminded of, you know, what he's done and, and, and use those as a confident foundation to stand on that he will continue to be good and that his faithfulness will remain. And so that, that, um, that song comes on, you know, as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. And, you know, like that's a change in season for you guys, Watsons. That's really cool. Like huge change in seasons vocationally and, you know, with the business. And I think, Glenn, you'd been doing the business thing for since you're 17 is that right 18 yeah so how many years has that been no don't answer that <laughs> <laughs> don't answer that uh but but i was uh, yeah we, we just had last week in in group time i just um was reflecting on a bit of my own story and um you know the things that i'd really held on to and um I realized that, you know, from, a, from one point to now, like I have received a lot of freedom. Um, you know, like I think back and personally, um, it was probably seven or eight years ago that, um, you know, previous to then I was running a business and, um, yeah, I can relate to, you know, chasing ambition and, and, and money and maybe, maybe there is, you know, an ambitious side to myself as well. And, but um, I can see the way that I was working was was pretty unhealthy. Uh, you know, I would work ridiculous hours, like I'd go to bed at two and, you know, dinner would be on the fly and so would every other meal and then I'd get up and, and do it all again. But um, I could see that I was motivated by a lot of fear and, um, yeah, life, life was pretty crazy and I, I sort of really pushed relationship aside. I didn't really um, hold relationship in high regard. It was more about what I could attain or achieve for myself. I just realised that my iPad's not going to stay on. Um, I don't know if it's worth it. Um, yeah, you can change the setting. Thanks, thanks, Curtis. Um, and so, yeah, I was just considering, you know, from from that period, uh, you know, I started working for, you know, some of the guys here at Freedom Factory, and um, 
I, I thought, to be honest, that, you know, I had something to give, I had something to offer, I had something to bring, and it turned out that, you know, over a period of, you know, six or seven years, I just received so much. Um, and I, I probably didn't see it going that way. And I remember, you know, we had this little office in Mornington and I was given the receptionist view, <laughs> you know, like I'd be the one greeting people at the door. But I, you know, had the, you know, had the view with the huge glass windows. It was pretty nice and I'm sitting there, but I'm feeling like I need to offer something to this. Like I have to have something to give in this new role. Um, you know, but we really felt like God was saying, you know, close the business and, and step into this. And that was, that was kind of a big deal. Thanks, Curtis. Um, and uh, I remember I shared this. This is the part that I shared last week. I remember sitting there and um, I just felt God saying, you know, you don't, you don't have to be anything for anyone. You know, you don't, you don't have to be anything for Glenn or Rob or Brad or, you know, the rest of the guys. And it was just like this. I can't describe it. It, it, it was a real encounter. Like it was a real spiritual encounter moment where I just felt the Holy Spirit's presence and um, I actually just felt peace like I've never felt before. Like I honestly had never felt peace in, in that way. And after running, you know, a business and living life, you know, moving so fast, it was like... Uh, it's like, this is better. Like, this is better than the way that I'd been living. And to, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm doing it justice. Like, maybe you've experienced peace, but this was a peace at a level that I hadn't experienced before to the point where I was almost useless. Um, and and it, it happened a few times. And um, I remember another time, not long after, we were going on a hike together with the boys and I was um, charged with uh, getting some grub together. I was on breakfast and... Uh, it's just this peace came over me again for no reason. I'm standing in the kitchen and I just became completely useless and I knew I had to get it done before I had to get to bed early enough to wake up early to go on the hike, but I just couldn't. I was, honestly, I just felt so peaceful. It was ridiculous. Like uh, my limbs almost didn't work and I had to ask um, Mel. I was like, you're going to have to do this for me and I just sat on the couch drooling probably like... Um, <laughs> And, and that was just, that was the start of me just receiving so much in this, that was, a, that was sort of a bookend start, I suppose, to this chapter in my life. And, um, and you know, we went, we went through some challenging times, um, you know, relationally and vocationally. And also um, we started a business that um, uh, didn't, didn't actually earn a whole lot of money. In fact, we ended up in a whole lot of debt. And the whole thing sort of culminated not that long ago in... Um, us finding ourselves in an amount of debt that seemed completely insurmountable. Um, and then uh, just out of the blue, uh, we're having a meeting and Glenn's face pops up on, a, on an iPad and says, hey, um, we're actually gonna forgive that debt. Um, and you know, Brad's portion as well, he said, I'm gonna forgive that debt. Um, and I can tell you there was just silence. And tears. It was just, I don't, I don't think we knew how to, took it, to, to take it. No one knew what to say. It was like, what do you say? What do you say in that moment where you just receive so much? And I think it was probably, it was just it was the pinnacle of um, the culmination of everything. It's like, how could I possibly, um, how could I possibly receive more than this? You know, like, and, and we're free, like we're, we're free of that debt. The crazy thing is that um, after that happened, some sales on the rest of our stock picked up and for the first time we're like, 
you're kidding, we actually have money in the bank accounts? It's not, it's not heaps, but like just to be, a, you know, to have a dollar more than you owe is amazing. Like it's just incredible. And um, anyway, my time uh, working, you know, at Freedom Factory came came to an end and it just felt like, you know, a bookend, end of, end of chapter and... Um, Amicably, there were no arguments. It was <laughs> that's the way it was meant to be. We felt like that was the thing, and and it yeah, it more felt it felt like God was just sort of pushing us out of the nest, and um, yeah, He's been raising this question with me more recently, um, and the question is like, what will you do with your freedom? It's like you've experienced so much and you've received so much. Like, what will you do? Like, what will you do now? And to be honest, I haven't I haven't really known. I haven't really known practically what what I'll do, but I feel like he's just uh, confronting um, me with that question on a deeper level, and I think uh, I think it's easy I think it's easy to forget it's easy to forget what we have been given, and it's probably the remembering what we have been given. Like I, d- I didn't really know how to process such an extravagant gift, and I'm not sure that there's a way to process it that will mean that I have processed it, but I think what I'm supposed to do with that is just be reminded, you know, be reminded of the generosity of someone, you know, the the gift that costs someone so dearly has set me free. Um, anyway, uh, I'm not going to read this, but we're going to read from Luke 19, 1 to 10. Janessa is going to um, read this, this story to us. This is just something that, that God's put on my heart to, you know, it's a bit of an answer to to that question, you know, like what will we do with our freedom? Thanks, Curtis. Luke 19, 1 to 10 in the Amplified. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, a superintendent to whom others reported, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but he could not see because of the crowd for he was short in stature. So he ran on ahead of the crowd and climbed up in a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus reached the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and welcomed Jesus with joy. When the people saw it, they all began muttering in discontent. He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, See, Lord, I am now giving half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will give back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household, because he too is a spiritual son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow, I'm glad I asked Janessa to read that. Eloquence. Thank you. Um, So Zacchaeus, uh, he is a man of low esteem with the people, obviously, or at least some people. And um, there's a reason for that. He's, he cheats people out of money in order to make himself rich and, and the people know it and they call him a sinner because he is, it's what he's doing. He's not treating people well and he's not, um, he's not holding relationship in high regard. He's taking for himself at the cost of others. Um, and so you can imagine his surprise when Jesus stops under the tree that he's in. He knows who he is. The people know, who's, know who he is. And Jesus knows his name. I mean, Jesus performed many miracles. It's easy enough to, you know, 
come to the conclusion that, you know, by a miracle, Jesus knows this man's name. And if he knows his name, he probably knows who he is and the rest of his story. And so um, the, people start, the people start to judge both of them. You know, the people around him, they judge that, you know, Zacchaeus is a sinner. Why would Jesus go to his house? But then they judge Jesus. They're like, he's hanging out with a sinner. And, and I guess, you know, that's, that's what the world does. You know, like we, we get put in a box by the world's judgments. They, they see things in a, in a worldly way and, and the people were judging Zacchaeus. Jesus wouldn't have mind. Um, you know, you think back to like Jesus, Jesus knew who he was. Um, the father told him who he was. Um, if you remember John baptizes him and the heavens open and the voice of the father's heard saying, you know, this is my son, um, with whom I'm well pleased. And so, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus isn't, uh, moved by the people's, um, thoughts toward him. But, um, Zacchaeus, on the other hand, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have the same sense of identity. He doesn't have the same sense of um, being God's son. And so he's latching onto things in the world. He's trying to build his own kingdom in a sense, and he's, he's doing it at the cost of others. Um, and so, you know, like this, this is the ploy, this is the ploy of the enemy to convince us that we're not worthy of being a son or a daughter of God. You think about, you know, after that moment where Jesus was baptized, the first thing he did was be led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And what, what was the devil's tactic? The, the devil questioned his identity. The father says something. The father says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And the first thing that the enemy says is, are you really the son of God? Well, if you're really the son of God, you could turn these stones into bread. Are you really the son of God? Because if you're really the son of God, you could throw yourself down and the angels would save you. And, and it's the same tactic. That's, he, he, he's got a long game, but it's the same game. It's the same game that he's trying to, to play with us. It, it continues to be his, his same ploy. And, and he continues to try and teach um, us that we're not worthy, that we're not accepted, that we're not loved, that we're not included um, as children of God. Um, and so there's Jesus. Um, and basically Zacchaeus comes down with joy. Uh, you know, it must, he, he wouldn't have been expecting it. And he invites Jesus back to his house. You can, we, we know that, we know that um, when Zacchaeus makes his pledge to give so much, Jesus is at his house because it says, um, um, you know, people say he has gone to the house uh, of a sinner. And Jesus sort of, um, he, he goes into a place that I guess is off limits to the rest of the world. Like it's this man's house. Do you know what I mean? And so he, he goes in and he sees, but it's Jesus. So he already sees, but um, Zacchaeus has opened his home to Jesus, a place that's off limits. Um, and Jesus sees everything. He sees the wealth. He sees Zacchaeus. He sees um, what he's amassed at the cost of other people. And he just continues to love him. And Zacchaeus um, has this moment, you know, where he just stops. It says that he stops and he makes his pledge. <clears throat> and he realises um, as he's doing so that he doesn't need to hold on to the things that he needed to hold on to before. He becomes free. Jesus' presence literally just sets him free. He becomes free in the presence of Jesus when he allows Jesus into the place that's off limits. He opens the doors to his home. Jesus sees everything, the ugliness of his wealth that he's amassed for himself unjustly. He sees it all and still finds acceptance and love and forgiveness. <clears throat>
and everything that we all need. And um, Jesus didn't tell him, Jesus didn't tell him at that point what to say. He, he was just moved. He was inspired. He was touched so deeply by the love of God in his soul that he made a choice. He was freed from um, the bondage that he was in, trying to build his own kingdom through fear, trying to gain for himself anything he could at the cost of others. And he decided what to do with his freedom. You know, what will we do with our freedom? We have received something. You know, like I, I tell my story and, and I see all that I have received and it, this, this question just keeps coming up, like, what will I do with my freedom? And it's not because Jesus is telling me specifically something. It's like, how has he moved my heart? Um, and so uh, Zacchaeus, he just pushes aside all that he has worked for. And he just responds in generosity. He makes his decision. He makes his decision about what he'll do um, with his freedom. And instead of um, allowing the default life that he has lived in fear to amass what he can uh, in his own home and in his own wealth at the cost of others, he allows what he has received from Jesus, determining that this is better to cost him instead. Um, I'm going to throw another scripture at you. This is Luke 19, 11 to 26. Glenn's going to jump on this one for us. Thanks, Glenn. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Sorry, sorry, Glenn. I'll, I'll just mention as well while you're reading this, we, we haven't stopped reading the same chapter. So this is, sorry, this yeah. is a direct follow-on from, from what we just read. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Thanks. Just less eloquent than Janessa. De um, definitely. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and they assumed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately as soon as he reached the city, so he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to obtain for himself a kingdom and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten miners, one apiece, each equal to about a hundred days' wages, and said to them, do business with this until I return. But his citizens, the residents of his new kingdom, hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to be a king over us. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom... He ordered that these servants, to whom he had given the money, be called to him, that he might find out what business they had done. The first one came before him and said, Lord, your miner has made ten more miners. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you proved yourself faithful and trustworthy in a very little thing, you shall now have authority over ten cities in my kingdom. The second one came and said, Lord, your miner has made five miners. And he said to him also, and you shall take charge over five cities. Then another came and said, Lord, here is your miner, which I have kept laid up in a handkerchief for safekeeping. I was always afraid of you because you are a stern man. You pick up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. He said to the servant, I will judge and condemn you by your own words, you worthless servant. Did you really know that I was a stern man, picking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not at the very least put my money in a bank? Then on my return I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, Take the miner away from him and give it to the one who has the ten miners. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten miners already. Jesus explained, I tell you that to everyone who has, because he valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. 
but from the one who does not have, because he disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken away. The king ended by saying, But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and I'll kill them in my presence. Well, very eloquent also. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, that's a fair chunk of scripture as well. Uh, it is interesting that on the back of the story of Zacchaeus that we've just heard, Jesus tells the parable of the miners. Um, and I think I hadn't hadn't picked this up in this story before, but the amplified version is just worth its weight in gold in this particular parable. Um, it talks about um, whenever it says because I'm finding so much value, you know, in these in these stories, like Jesus really lifted the lid on the story of Zacchaeus when he said, salvation has come to this house. Why? Because he too is a son of Abraham. And that was after Zacchaeus has made his pledge, right? So Zacchaeus finds freedom, is moved to make a pledge, puts aside everything that he has amassed for himself, discovers that there is something better, decides that this is what he wants to live his life for, and in freedom allows it to cost him. It's the complete opposite of what he was doing previously. And Jesus goes on to tell this story now, and it says, um, uh, I tell you that everyone who has, because, uh, because he has valued his gifts from God and has used them wisely. Like, because. Because he valued his gifts and used them wisely. We have all been given something. We have all received freedom. I mean, I, Leanne's told her story this morning. I've told my story this morning. You know, I feel like God's just totally stitching those together. That, that's amazing. Um, you know, we can all look back on um, things that we've been through, good experience, painful experiences, challenging experiences, and find um, the freedom that we've received because of what he's done. And especially in the places where, you know, like Zacchaeus's house, it's the places that were off limits that we've kept hidden, that we've allowed and invited him into it, that the light of the world has come and shone his light and shown us truth in those moments and set us free from the fear that we'd been living in. We've all experienced those moments. In fact, I think, you know, we're pretty, we're, if anything, we're pretty well versed in sharing those. Like I look around the room, I'm not sure that there's one person that I don't know your story in some regard in which, you know, you've received freedom. And so this question that keeps coming up, what will you do with your freedom? And Zacchaeus, he made his decision. He made a pledge. He recognized that Jesus was better. And then Jesus tells the story of the parable. It's like what, um, what these people had been given, they used to invest into building the kingdom. It's like, what we have been given, what we have learned, the freedom that we have gained and everything that we have received in our story and in our journey so far, we have the honour and the privilege and the pleasure of investing back into the kingdom. What will we do with our freedom? We'll take our freedom and invest it because it's the best thing we have because we have Jesus and he is the best thing. And Zacchaeus recognised that. In one moment, he was set free and he thought... <clears throat> this is better than all the wealth that I could amass and I'm going to change my lifestyle and in fact I'm going to give away more than I ever received because I have received even more than I have received here. I have received more than I had taken. Salvation has come to this house because he is a son of God also. It's like the one who was tempted by the devil, who understood his identity as the son of the father, 
invested what he had received from the father into Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus's life was changed he was set free and Zacchaeus in turn invests what he has into the kingdom can you imagine the change in his demeanor in his direction in his purpose in all that he lived for he would have been a changed man <clears throat> and then we read this this parable of the miners you know, these men that were given something, as we have been given something, as Zacchaeus was given something. And, and again, Jesus sort of lifts the lid on, on this story and he says, um, well, actually, the Amplified Version <laughs> helps us out a lot, but it says, um, because they valued their gifts. You know, that's the key. And then it talks about the one who didn't value his gift. It says, because, um, it says, uh, but from the one who does not have because he has disregarded his gifts from God, even what he has will be taken away. It's, it's the key. It's like so much has been given, like I think of the debt that was paid and, and the key is not to get somewhere in the processing this idea of the debt that was paid. The key is to value it, but I can't value it if I don't recall it. I can't value it if I don't remember it. And that's why I love this Thrive stuff that we've been talking about, like gratitude, like it's fantastic to consider what it is that we are so grateful for because it's those things that we have received that we can be grateful for, that we can be reminded then that we have them to invest into back into the kingdom. And that's, that's the, I want that to be my story. I don't want to have received so much and then just go off and forget who I am. I have received an identity as a son that I didn't have before. And, you know, I know that lots of us have received an identity as a son or a daughter and and you know we've received freedom from the ways that we were living in fear that have found us you know slaves to to bondage and we've you know found deliverance and um, acceptance and love and grace and 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 all that we didn't have previously our minds have come to understand them in in new ways um and so I, I guess, you know, when I read the, the parable of the miners, I think, well, let's compel, let's be compelled to do business. Let's allow all that we have received to compel us to do business and invest what we have received back into the kingdom. And I think, um, I think I'm aware as well that um, we don't, there are many mornings when I wake up and I don't feel inspired by what I have received. I think that's true. Like, I, I don't want to discount um, any emotional state that would say I'm not in a place where I have something to invest at the moment. I'm not in a place where I have something to give. And <clears throat> so, you know, I think, like I said, that is the enemy's game, I think. And, and sometimes we can default or fall back into this trap of I'm, I don't have anything. I'm, in fact, I'm a victim to my circumstances and, and I, find, I find that I can so easily be there, so easily get there. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that to anyone else. I'm saying that because I can very easily relate to waking up on any given day and feeling like I'm the victim to my circumstances or I'm unhappy or I should complain or blame. Or, um, and so I didn't ask anyone to read this, but I'm going to throw another scripture at you. This is um, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I'm going to read it from the top, but I, I really, the crescendo is at the end. Um, it says, therefore, since we are, so um, in Hebrews, the writer has just gone through 
um, the value of faith and listed all of the um, you know, many heroic stories and those that were involved um, and, and attributes all of those stories to faith in God. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work. And this is, this is the bit. Just consider and meditate on who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When I wake up on any given day and find myself a victim um, to any circumstance which is toying with my emotions and my thoughts <clears throat> and leading me to blame others and not take responsibility for the things that I can, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sin as such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I mean, it's okay. I think it's okay to, to find ourselves in a place where we are feeling like we have lost heart. But um, because, I, because I feel the very real emotion of difficult circumstances in my life and they... They can throw me around sometimes. And that's very much the, you know, um, we were discussing last week that actually feeling, feeling the emotion of a circumstance, albeit very challenging circumstances, especially difficult circumstances where I might feel a range of negative emotions is actually part of the process. I think that's what we were talking about, Keith. And, it, and it's actually very important to go there and recognise the truth of your emotion not, and not bottle it down and not hide it because... Um, otherwise, we don't have that, that place uh, in ourselves to offer Jesus to come in and, and, you know, come to the places that are off limits. So that's very important. But we're, we're given a roadmap here. We're given a, a way, a direction in order to not lose heart. And that's to consider and meditate on him who endured such bitter hostility against himself. And, and why did he do it? So that I could receive you know, when I turn my mind to the cost, the price that was paid for me, <clears throat> then even in my darkest hour, I have something. I have something. And, you know, we have more than that. You know, like Leanne's shared a little bit. I've shared a little bit. I'm experiencing peace beyond what I've ever experienced before. I've, I'm sleeping. I've mentioned to Leanne on the way in, actually. I, was like, I feel like I'm sleeping really well. Although I've been sick, you know, like I feel like that's actually helping my recovery. Like I've, I've never slept as well as I'm sleeping on the eve of the morning where I'm supposed to get up here and, you know, um, share myself openly as best as I possibly can with you all. I just sleep like a baby. It's not even so much a challenge anymore. And that's not because of anything that I've done. It's because of what I've received. It's because I don't have to be anything for anyone. This is, this is the truth that I was sharing last week. I have received truth that I don't have to be anything for anyone anymore. I don't have to reach for the things like Zacchaeus did that proved my self-worth. I'm a child of God. And sometimes that's more evident to me and sometimes it's not. But in the moments that it's not, I can focus on the one who um, gave everything 
the one who endured the cross, that gave his life, that cost him all. And Zacchaeus, standing in his house with Jesus, he, he, he'd put on a meal. He was rich enough to have a big house and he was hosting Jesus, probably pretty extravagantly. But he got a taste of something better, you know. He was providing the food, but he got a taste of Jesus. He said, this is the best thing. And, you know, Paul, Paul says, I consider all those other things garbage, all the things that I chased after. And Zacchaeus, in a moment, saw that there was something better and considered what he had received as better than the things he had. And they were suddenly worth dispensing of. They were disposable. They were garbage compared to what he received. He received a love and grace and forgiveness. Can you imagine living that way, ripping people off, taking so that you could have more than them? What circumstances would you have left them in? <clears throat> How could you possibly sleep at night? And Jesus comes in and honors him with his presence and loves him. And he receives so much from the Father. He receives an identity as a son as well. And before Jesus even says anything, um, he decides to do business. What will we do with our freedom? Well, he decided. Zacchaeus decides what he'll do with his freedom. And it looks nothing like what he was doing with his bondage. So we have all received something. So I feel like I could keep talking because I'm getting pretty passionate. Um, but I want to leave time for us to chat. So um, let's just have a think about, let's break off into groups and, and let's have a think about um, where we find ourselves in these stories. Where do we find ourselves in the story of Zacchaeus? Where do we, how do we relate to the story of the miners? Um, have we had experiences where we've been set free and we feel like we've received so much and do they stay front of mind or do we wake up constantly and feel like we're just a victim to, to circumstances and how do we deal with that? I think there's, there's I mean, we've, we have read a lot. We read a lot in, in Luke and you're probably sitting there and it's probably, um, you probably have more thoughts than I could possibly bring and you have your own stories and so let's let's feel free to tell our stories. Let's feel free to consider what it is that we've received and 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 let's let's have a think about how we invest what we've received back into the kingdom because that's that's um that's our our gift and our honor to instead of be building our own kingdom be investing back into his let's uh let's talk let's chat yeah we were just talking we we covered a lot of ground in our group actually um yeah but um, I think one of the things that I appreciate about this topic is that, um, and I was just sharing with the group, is that there's there's a purpose for my story. Like there's a purpose for the road that I've walked and the freedom that I've received. And, um, you know, the, the enemy is playing the same game and often the areas uh, in which he's trying to hold me back in and sow lies into my life um, are the areas in which I would be most effective in investing myself into the kingdom. And so uh, it makes sense that, you know, if you were going to stop me from investing the best of myself, the things that I have been purposed and effectively called into, you would sow lies into those, into those areas. And, and it's easy to look back at the, um, you know, parts of our lives where we feel like we haven't had freedom and be like, that was a waste. You know, like I spent a lot of time without freedom but we forget that without our story, without coming through the challenges to receive freedom in the areas where we had been bound, it's then that we have something to give. 
and it's not until we go through that that we have something to offer and invest um, into into his kingdom and so it's worth it it's worth it and we were you know just saying at the end there you know I wonder how many mornings Zacchaeus woke up thinking why did I invest why did I pledge why did I say that I would do this uh, and and I just was saying to the guys it's like man he's given us the roadmap to return to this idea of um, considering what it is that we've received at such great cost you know if I received something that didn't cost a whole lot from anyone that doesn't tie me to that person in any way but when I receive something when a cost has been paid um, for me and someone else has paid it and it's cost them then my heart is turned and so we've all received something you know we've all received life we we find ourselves um where we receive eternal life we were once dead in our sins jesus came and died we're no longer dead in our sins we have eternal life but it took him dying on the cross he paid a great price and when i shift my mind when i find myself lacking desire after having pledged so much but i shift my mind back to the cost um, and the price that he paid i can then find myself that with that desire welling up again again in me and overflowing yeah and so i think um this week today later today if we find ourselves in a place where we have no desire to offer anything to the kingdom to invest ourselves back in after you know all that he has given let's set our mind on what it cost him and what we've received yeah i uh, just i guess i felt led to be a bit more vulnerable um and just add to you know where i'm at my own story um uh, I guess I've been in at a bit of a crossroads with this. This is why it's the the topic for me. Um, practically, I've just been a bit unsure, you know, what to do with myself vocationally. And there's been a bunch of um, opportunities pop up, and none of them I haven't I haven't really been sure, you know, what what to do with anything. And and I feel like, you know, God's been working on my heart to. To bring me to a place where I guess I'm clear in me before practically there's a there's an outworking of what you know we've been talking about here today but there was an opportunity pop up um, to take on someone's business or um, work my way toward that and uh, um, I think fear fear really spoke it's like jump on this opportunity because this business sounds good and it's going to earn you a lot of money but um, I prayed about it and just felt like God said, like, that's not who I've created you to be. You'd be going back to your old ways. You'd be going back to the way that you had operated previously out of fear. And he's like, but I've set you free to be you. And I created you to be you the, the way that I wanted. And the way that I want you to be you is to, now that you have been set free, to devote your life to um, being free it's for freedom that we have been set free um and so strangely what seems like a great opportunity um it turns out is one that i might have to turn down and that's scary like that that's scary for me because 
you know, we're in a position where, you know, Mel's transitioned into some work and I have had less going on. Um, and I just, yeah, I felt, I just remember when Lila got up and said, hey, I feel like we're going to have a baby. <laughs> it's like, man, that's vulnerable. It's like, it's pretty vulnerable to get up here and, and share that with you because I don't know. I don't know what the next step is, but I do know that he has brought me along a journey for a purpose. Um, and I want to stick with him in that. And I want to see what he's going to do. And I don't want to tap out or opt out or, you know, go back to the way that I was operating by taking on something that isn't for me or isn't who he's created me to be. So that's my story. I just wanted to bookend the story for you. Um, yeah, I hope that, hope that inspires. Yeah, well, I'm inspired. Yeah, I got maybe like 70% of what you were sharing this morning, James, just was my morning to hang with the littlies today. But it's, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, what a, what a collaboration of truth we've had this morning, you know, this idea that we started with with Leon around sharing out of experiencing God that there's an invitation to join God in the things that he's doing, you know, that there's this invitation that he has for us to see what he's up to and join him. And you know, even what Leon was sharing in her own process around that, around, um, you know, the process of setting uh, both equally connecting with my desire and then setting it aside to ensure that the, the, the things that I'm partnering with have the heart of God in them and his desire for them. And I think, you know, some of the things I've been exploring as well suggest that, you know, God doesn't just move us through his voice. He wells up within us the desires of his heart and gives me a passion and gives me a desire for the things his spirit produces desire. And so setting desire aside and seeing what he wells up within me, that, that's, a, that's a powerful piece of the puzzle. And really that ties into something you were saying that was coming out of your group, James. You know, this idea of, uh, uh, um, the, the connection was clearer 10 seconds ago, but um, uh, what you were saying sort of like this idea of, uh, it, it's not the way you put it, but putting value on the things that God values. What, and you were talking about Zac Zacchaeus, maybe, maybe doubling back and going, wow, what have I done? You know, you know, I have had an encounter with God that produced a desire that wasn't there before, and I've acted out of desire, not out of demand. You know, maybe there's questions about that. That got me thinking as you were saying that, you know, like um, there are there are values that are welling up within me. And sometimes the things that God's asking me to partner with aren't the things I naturally thought were valuable or aren't where I thought the best investment of my life would go or not where I thought the greatest returns were going to show up. Can you relate to that? Like, mm, this looks like a bad investment. I mean, how many times have I gone to God and said, could we do something good? And he's like, what's wrong with the good thing I'm doing? You know, and that's my value perspective gap, you know, that that I could value and partner with something that he's investing and multiplying. And it's like, that's a challenge. You know, I think even for Leela and I, you know, personally, like we got a call from an agent last week who said, hey, I've got someone who's interested in a house like yours. Could I show it to them? Would you sell if you got the right offer? Yeah, that's a long time conversation for us. It goes back, you know, 16 months ago. Uh, we heard things about this when we were to the point where we were like, well, we're ready to sell. But if I can be honest, I feel a little bit like that. Like, can I give it? Can I take it back? Can I give it? Can I take it back? Is this going to be, is this going to be good? Is, is this, is this, is this partnering with you? 
you know, and I think, you know, James, in your message this morning, when God accomplishes something of freedom, we can't keep it for ourselves. You know, when God takes and produces something in my life and now I'm walking in freedom. And I would say that Leela and I are walking in a greater freedom and joy in our shared life together, Leela and I, than we ever have because God's accomplished something within us. God's given us something. And it's like, yeah, I kind of just want to pack up in a caravan and go away and just relish in the good thing that we share. We could live a joyful life. Like we, we don't need something big. We don't need something amazing. Like we are, we are satisfied even in what God's, the miracles that he's accomplished and delivered into our life. But James, what you're saying is don't take what God's given you and bury it. Don't keep it to yourself. Invest it. Sow it. Multiply it. Roll it in again. And I feel like for Leela and I, our lives and what we have and what we live, you know, we're being invited into that again by desire. And it's terrifying and exciting, you know, and I think sometimes you got to jump. And so I guess our, our jump this week is, you know, getting the garden ready for someone to come and look at our house on Thursday, you know, not knowing where that's going to lead or what that's going to mean. But with a heart that says, you know, God, you know, if we could take this life you've given us and offer it to you again, could we partner with you and could we see a return for your kingdom? Yeah, and it's a, that's challenging when the rubber meets the road. You know, when that becomes practical and that becomes talent, cha tangible, you know, but then when, you know, you know, when I think back on the moments where this, I've been in this place before, and every time, I'm, these are the stories I am so thankful for. This is where the return comes. This is the path. This is where his spirit accomplishes the abundance of life toward us. And that's what I hear you talking about this morning. And so I'm inspired. I appreciate the truth you're bringing. I think it's a, a message for me. So I'll take it and sow it and receive it. So I appreciate you, James. So.